Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. The generation of technology we're on today will be displaced in a couple of years, then in a couple of years, and so that will be evolving. Technology has become a part of our everyday lives, but many industries still struggle to make essential transitions to modernize their workplace. Can we help them automate some of the labor in an environment where labor wages and labor costs are only going to go one way, which is they're already pretty high and they're going to go up? Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Recently, the restaurant industry has been struggling to hire new workers and retain their current employees. Today's guest is using modern technology to deliver speed and consistency in customer service and in the kitchen. Today, we're sitting down with Krishna Gupta, chairman and interim CEO of Presto Automation, one of the largest drive-through automation technology providers in the hospitality industry. He is founder and CEO of venture firm Remus Capital, which he founded as a student at MIT in 2008. Remus partners with visionary founders and management teams to build technology businesses that rewire entire industries. This led him to Presto, which many years later trades on NASDAQ under the symbol PRST. Prior to Remus, Krishna spent time at McKinsey & Company and JP Morgan helping several Fortune 100 clients on billion-dollar technology transactions. He is an incessant traveler, has done business across five continents, and outside of investing, he has a broad set of intellectual interests. In fact, he's conducted chemistry research at the University of Chicago and in Israel. He's produced a film on English ancient history, which is used at Cambridge and Oxford, and competed as a finalist in the USA Mathematics Olympia. Let's enter the arena with Krishna Gupta. When I went to college at MIT, I was optimizing for a place where I could start a business. So I went to college knowing I wanted to start something while I was there. This was, uh, you know, from 05 to 08. And so it was a time when technology entrepreneurship was in a bit of a a recession of its own because of what happened in 99, 2000, 2001. And so many of my peers at MIT were not interested actually in starting companies, but a few of us were. And so we used to get together together trade notes, uh, help each other stimulate ideas for new companies. And in the process of doing that, I found myself helping many of my peers get their businesses off the ground. And I went home for spring break one day, my junior year of college, and I thought, well, why don't I turn this into my business where I'm helping people build their businesses and maybe providing them the initial you know, ten dollars to $100,000 check? I had no clue. That was called venture capital. I had no idea what investments were. My parents are both engineers. 
But that's how I got started. So it was very organic. And the interesting thing is that one of those peers of mine whom I was helping and working with was the founder of Presto Automation. And so as a result, not only was I the first investor in Presto, the company was my first investment. And so we've always shared a very symbiotic relationship. And I've always had a, an, an essentially a co-founder level of passion for the business. And so that's where we get started. And that's why the genesis of my venture capital firm is, is building, not betting. That's our ethos. We really don't wake up every morning thinking about deploying capital. I, I just like to roll up my sleeves and get to work. The company has had tremendous success over a long period of time. But for people who don't know, what is actually the suite of products? What do they do? How do they help the restaurant industry? Well, Presto was founded with a very simple concept and that there's a duality, which is on the one side, the restaurant customer interface had not changed for decades. And that felt like archaic because modern consumer technology was evolving rapidly. And on the other side, you had real margin challenges at the restaurants. And so the idea that there was a lot of excess costs and there was ability to augment or even one day automate labor was promising. And so when you combine the two, you know, you get to a point where Presto started, which was, can we put tablets on the table? And this was before the iPad came out. Can we put tablets on the table where people can order, play, and pay, right, in a way that sort of limits the engagement with labor, but also allows you to upsell and create a much more engaging consumer experience? You fast forward, you know, a decade, and the same ethos carries forward in our voice AI product, which is saying, look, for restaurants that have drive-throughs, which is a large number of QSR chains in the United States, and we help them automate some of the labor uh, in an environment where labor wages and labor costs have, are only going to go one way, which is they're already pretty high and they're going to go up. And can we do that in a way that still maintains an engaging customer experience, so much so that they, in fact, actually end up spending more with a given brand in a given restaurant? And that's all being enabled by, one, our legacy sort of decade of experience working with these chains, integrating with their technologies, selling to corporates and franchisees. But on the other side, by this complete evolution, and I would say revolution uh, of AI, and, and specifically generative AI, and, and a variety of models that are coming out you know, as we speak, and so that's where we're at. And that, that's our suite of products. You know, it's all focused around labor automation and augmentation. And we are effectively an enterprise AI business that today is serving the restaurant industry. It's such a huge line item in the restaurant space right now. Not only are you having to pay people more, you may not even find people. So it's a double whammy. I would add a triple whammy, which is then when you find the people, the consistency of the service that they are delivering is not there. So we always like to say humans, they forget to upsell, they forget to sort of say the same. The AI never gets tired and the AI never forgets, right? And so that consistency, which maybe in prior years you could get a higher degree of, today is completely lacking. Yeah, we think it's a real win-win-win. You recently stepped in as CEO and we already talked about committing capital so early. You're essentially a founder. What kind of message does that send to not only existing shareholders, but possibly new shareholders in your mind? Well, I think it sends several messages. One is of alignment. I am, through our various vehicles, the largest shareholder in the business, also chairman of the board, and I'm now CEO. And so there's complete alignment in shareholder interests, which is really important. But it also shows commitment. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I weren't extremely excited about where the company is. Uh, I think we've got, frankly, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity 
to be a dominant market leader in an emerging technology and market opportunity. So I think shareholders should look at that and say, we're excited. I'm excited. So, so I hope they're excited. Yeah. There's a lot of technology going into restaurants. There's a lot of players in different areas. What makes Presto unique and how have you really become a leader in that segment, given all the different technologies that are trying to be sold into the restaurant business? Well, take the voice AI segment, because I think it's, it's demonstrative of, of our advantages. On the one side, we understand the technology. Technology, I will say, you know, will, will evolve quickly. You know, so the generation of technology we're on today will be displaced in a couple of years, then in a couple of years. And so that will be evolving. But what doesn't evolve is when you couple that with this decade-long experience of integrating into restaurant POSs around the country, understanding the, the sort of difference in the dance between corporates and franchisees and serving franchisee needs across different regions, and coupling that with the technology and the product that needs to deliver the experience, there's really no other company that's that's done that, right? It's, it, I'm not saying that there aren't restaurant tech companies that haven't been out there for as long as we have. There's three other public restaurant tech companies, but I would say there's no other enterprise AI company that has also been a restaurant tech company for as long as we have. And I think that cross is what makes us unique. It's what makes us extremely compelling for an enterprise restaurant customer. We're not serving, you know, we're not going after the small mom and pop restaurants, which is a massive market of its own. But for an enterprise chain, QSR or, or otherwise, we are the natural choice. Yeah. And that was really a segue into my next question, which was the types of restaurants that are likely to benefit most from your AI solutions. Why don't you tell our listeners about really what the sweet spot is for you and how you look at the addressable market? I think QSRs are at the top of the list because A, how many locations they have, B, the margin profile and, and sort of the labor cost element of this, and then C, yes, the drive-through. I mean, eventually I would say, you know, our market actually expands well beyond restaurants. Right. I think a lot of the technology we've been developing can extend into to many other physical space industries, whether that's healthcare, whether that's retail. But I think within the restaurant vertical, we are, you know, we are focused on QSRs for the Voice CI product and then casual dining chains for our touch business, which is also very compelling and interesting. So, you know, Red Lobster and Chili's and, uh, and Applebee's, these are all longstanding customers of ours. And we continue to expand that business as well, which you want an engaging customer experience in a way that does not require a huge amount of labor. And then there's a crossover, right? So I think the interesting thing about Presto from a technological standpoint is that we are both hardware native and software native. And I think that is also really unique because it, it's what's required in a restaurant setting. You need to sort of meet the customer either at the table or at the kiosk or at the drive through and at the same time, you have to personalize and perfect the software that you're delivering. So that is also really unique. And, and I would say no other large restaurant tech company or enterprise AI company kind of has that mix. One thing when you look at shareholders and customers, everybody has the same thing on their mind, which is, you know, what is this going to cost? Talk about the typical ROI scenario. I own a chain of QSR restaurants and you come to me and you kind of talk about the value proposition. What's the typical ROI, the time on that? How does that all work? Yeah. I mean, the ROI story, I think, is one of the reasons why this market is opening up so quickly and so immediately. So on the one side, you have the labor, right? And we're seeing with some of our early customers that 
if they want to, they can often replace a full-time employee and that's immediate labor cost savings using the AI. And that, you know, the AI, by the way, keeps getting better and better and better. And so increasingly you will be able to save a full-time employee. But on the labor side, the other thing that some people think about is, well, we may not want to replace the full-time employee, but we may actually want him or her to focus on higher value things. So what we are seeing is that the order accuracy is going up because now people are spending more time focused on making sure that this person's salad order has the boiled egg or not yeah. or, or whatever it is versus spending their time taking orders and multitasking in five different things. The other side of the ROI story is the upsell. And the upsell is a very powerful piece. It really is. I, I liken it to, you know, if people play video games, it's like if you're an avid player of a Mortal Kombat or something, you'll know exactly which five buttons to mash up together at exactly the right time to spit out the perfect fireball. Well, that's kind of what an upsell is like. It's like you, know, you have someone driving through and you've got to figure out what are the exact right combinations of meal and drink and dessert and this and that produce the perfect upsell. And a human right now is really far from the perfect upsell, right? But the AI is getting closer and closer to the perfect upsell. That to me is very exciting. And that to the restaurant chains is very exciting. We're seeing like, you know, many X times the upsell rates than the humans would do, which is, which, and this is today. So it's already a dramatic improvement. So you guys made the journey to go public. What was the journey like getting to the public markets and what advantage do you see as being a public company? We made the decision to go public primarily because we thought it would help us get to greater scale and deliver greater value to our customers who ultimately are, many of them are public companies or public scale. And I think that has proven to be true. We are in the pursuit of building an enduring modern technology company. And I think that's the kind of partner that any restaurant chain wants to have. They don't want to work with some private startup that in today's markets will never have a chance of raising capital or much capital. So that's, that's a big part of this is upgrading, professionalizing, but then really giving people a sense that we are a partner that's here to stay. And then, you know, along the way, we drew in some great partners. So when we went public, we brought in old friends of mine, which is Cleveland Avenue, um, an investment group that is run by the ex-CEO of McDonald's. And so highly strategic group, right? They have a lot of respect uh, from industry operators. A lot of their former colleagues are now running a lot of these restaurant groups. And so that partnership has been very fruitful, and I expect it to be more fruitful in time to come. So, you know, that, that's how it's been. Obviously, you know, stock prices go up and down. But, you know, the way we look at it is, as long as we execute on this immediate opportunity in front of us, which is, you know, driving AI into these enterprise restaurants, we're going to be a massive business. Presto's AI voice assistant has been incorporated into thousands of drive-throughs across the country. The automation is designed to be an efficient order taker and upseller. And I asked Krishna what the drive-through customers want out of the experience that they may not even be thinking about. What everyone believes customers want, which I think is largely true, is speed of service, right? They want accuracy. And to some degree, I think, 
you know, the upsell works both ways. Like, you know, sometimes I want someone to ask me if I want a chocolate shake because I didn't know that I wanted one, right? So I think those are the three things that matter most. And I think there's room for improvement on those three things using the AI versus the existing customer experience. Now, I think there's actually a bunch more things that you can do. So, you know, we're also in our product roadmap is integrating computer vision as well. And so you can now start personalizing the drive through. And so if I'm driving into this thing, you'll know that I'm vegetarian and you'll know that I have a massive sweet tooth and so on and so forth. And so now increasingly, this is not happening now, but it will happen at one point uh, soon, is I'm starting to get a very personalized, maybe a personalized voice. They know that I love Jennifer Lopez, and so maybe she's talking to me. So I think that starts becoming a really interesting and compelling channel for personalization. And then it goes the other way around too, which is, you know, maybe Duncan is asking me, hey, what do you think of our new pistachio donut? And I can give real-time feedback, right? Then I can say, look, I think it's a great idea. Or, or like, why the hell would anybody want pistachio donuts? So, so there's just an incredible wealth of opportunity. And this is obviously an omni-channel opportunity. It doesn't just pertain to the drive-through. But I think the drive-through is a very unique channel. And I think most of the QSRs have understood that and are ramping that up. Yeah. So you had a big announcement recently with OpenAI Chat GPT. Tell us about that. The CEO of OpenAI, Sam Altman, is a longtime investor in Presto. You know, Presto came out of Y Combinator after it went through MIT. And so it's part of this whole ecosystem of, you know, of technology leaders in Silicon Valley. And our founder, Raj, uh, has known Sam for a long time. So long story short, you know, we have a partnership with them that gives us access to a lot of their technology and we're working cohesively with them to integrate some of that latest generation, what's called large language models into our voice AI technology. Some of the stuff I was talking about earlier, which is, you know, futuristic, I think can be accelerated. That personalization, for example, can be accelerated by using some of this LLM technology. I mean, this whole generative AI craze is fascinating, not just because the technology, but it's also fascinating because of the fact that we were working in this area before it became hot. And now suddenly there's this acceleration, which I think gives us a huge edge. Yeah. Maybe for people who aren't fully familiar with it, what other things could it be used for in, within the restaurant and in the drive through I think, first of all, you know, when you think about AI, you think about what are the inputs, right? So you have text, you have, or, or outputs even. It's text, it's voice, it's vision. And so some of the same things that we're talking about can be applied elsewhere in the restaurant. So I might want, even if I'm sitting at home and I decide I want to order something for delivery, well, I can have a server at my phone and I can just speak to that server and now the AI can talk back. So instead of me typing, you know, hey, I want this, and maybe make a special note on my DoorDash that says I want onions or no onions, I can just speak to the app as if it were a waiter, right? And so that's really interesting. I think, you know, when you look at some of like the pizza chains or whatever, they have phone ordering. So people call in and they say, you know, hey, I want this or that. Well, guess what? That can soon be automated and done without human intervention. I think on the chat side, you know, you can obviously have someone who's just chatting with you in a real time way, which is a bot. And then on the vision side, you know, there's a set of companies that uh, is working on order accuracy, which I think is a longer term play. But but me being able to say, you know, I'm at Chipotle and I'm making the perfect bowl that someone ordered. And so I'm just not making mistakes anymore. And that doesn't require human intervention. 
it does seem like your total addressable market circles beyond uh, just the restaurant industry for all of those things, which is pretty exciting. You may not be getting credit for it right now, but at some point, people are going to wake up and realize that you have the ability to kind of branch out and be in other industries too. And that's a total game changer. Absolutely. We're in a show me market and a discount market. And so people are going to discount anything you say right now, and they're going to want you to prove it and prove it. But I think that's where it actually plays to our strengths, because we're not one of these companies that's just talking about AI. We have what I like to say is the most immediately actionable and scalable application of generative AI in the enterprise. Looking at the remainder of 2023, what has you excited about the rest of the year? that you're working on? We're just executing, Tom. You know, I think we have so much opportunity in front of us. We are trying to spend as much time with customers, understanding their specific needs. You know, some of their specific needs end up playing very well to our strength and really like have nothing to do with the AI, but have to do with the enterprise scale. Like, can you actually monitor these things in real time? Can you figure out how the rollout's going? And so, you know, my role as CEO is just to make sure that we're executing as quickly as we can, right? I, I have three mantras, actually. I have, you know, power of positivity. I like everyone to just be, you know, focused on a great customer experience, just like our customers do. Move at lightning speed, right? It's just who I am. If, if something can be done this minute, it should be done this minute. And then uh, create magic, you know, which Presto, the brand is all about. And can we create a magical experience for our shareholders and uh, for our customers and for our colleagues? Yeah, look, and I think another thing uh, that we haven't talked about is you're certainly listening to shareholders and well aware of like the current market and trying to be more efficient with your resources. Maybe talk about your ability to take some costs out of the P&L and still deliver for your customers, because I know that's an important part of running a public company and that's a, a, a true positive. Yeah, we are working you know, diligently on continuing to reduce our cost structure. At the same time, we're very clear about two things. One is We'd have to live up to our promise to customers. So if they want a certain quality of product and service, we're going to deliver that to them. The second thing is we have this massive market opportunity right in front of us. And so, you know, we're, we're, that's our commitment to shareholders, which is we're not going to uh, let that go at the expense of, of our P&L. So, you know, it, it, we are being very diligent and very rational about our P&L. And I think that's just healthy right now in this environment. You have to balance growth with being prudent. For sure. A couple of general questions, Krishna. What's your advice for entrepreneurs that are just starting out? I'm sure you've seen thousands of them over your career. What are the best entrepreneurs? What do they bring to the table when you sit down with them? And what are the ones that could use a little more polishing? Well, everyone has a different answer to this, but I would say my kind of entrepreneur is a technical visionary who is very hungry, is very lean. I'm pretty contrarian by DNA in the sense that I sort of run away. If someone is starting a company in, in something that is, you know, being overhyped right now, it's just not my thing. Um, you know, the last two, three years, we saw a lot of entrepreneurs starting their companies and just raising huge amounts of money right out of the gate. And it just totally kills the culture of the company. It destroys your ability to be an efficient capital allocator, but it just takes your sort of foot off the pedal. And so so I love people who are always worried and paranoid about survival. They're focused maniacally about building product market fit. And then they have like really big visions and ambitions. And obviously you have to be really smart too, but, but you combine all of that and you generally end up getting somewhere. 
Yeah, and something you said earlier, being positive, there's a lot of power in just optimism because you're going to face so many roadblocks, right? And if you can just be positive going into it, it's just like an incredible thing for everyone who works there because they're depressed and they see their leader being like, we got this, no problem. It's like a very powerful and simple thing, right? It's a very simple thing, but it's how I kind of live my life. And I try to instill in everyone we work with is that, you know, it just has huge positive externalities. Yeah. Another question is, I've heard you talk about human-machine convergence. Just in your mind, what is that? And what do you think the applications of that are for the enterprise and consumers down the road? Because it sounds scary to me, but maybe I shouldn't be scared. Yeah, well, look, I think it's even more relevant in times like today where where everyone is worried that... um, OpenAI is driving us towards artificial general intelligence, you know, AGI. For starters, I, I don't think it is. Like, I, I don't think we need to be worried about an AI that's going to take over human, the human race anytime soon. I think, you know, it may very well happen one day, but I don't think the path that we are working on currently is going to lead us there. I do think that there is a dance between humans and machines that is very much underway and is becoming more and more interesting and more complex. And that takes the form as simple as, look, when we open our laptop or our phones, we're effectively augmenting ourselves with AI at this point, right? Um, and so there's already this this sort of convergence. The phone is just an extension of ourselves, and you can argue we are just an extension of our phones at this point, right? Um, and so that duality is present. And then I think the other, other way to think about AI and human-machine convergence is right now there's a lot of partnership going on between the two, right? So AI is, you know, in most of these enterprise applications, the AI is not 100% accurate. It can't be. It can't think about edge cases and corner cases. And so you're going to always have this sort of human touch to sort of make sure you don't get things. Because, by the way, the customer demands accuracy, right? And so you you can't be in enterprise settings and and screw it up 20% of the time or whatever. So that dance as well is a really interesting one. And and in some ways, you're augmenting humans as much as you are automating them. And and that societal question we're going to have to face is, how do we upscale people so that they can leverage AI versus simply being replaced by them? Krishna, one last question on the company. When you sit down with investors, what do you think they sometimes miss as it relates to the underlying value of the enterprise? Well, I think, you know, uh, fortunately, a lot of the people around us and a lot of the analysts I talk to actually do get it because drive throughs are not hard things to understand. Everyone sort of believes it's inevitable. But I think, you know, you have two types of investors in this kind of environment. You have people who really just want safe, cash flow positive businesses. And a tech company that's growing quickly and trying to dominate a market is not going to be that right? Or rarely is going to be that. And so you have some investors who kind of get that and some investors who don't. And in the public markets, that dichotomy is perhaps a little bit more pronounced. In the private markets, presumably, investors are betting behind the growth. But there's a whole range of investors that have come up in the public markets, too, who are looking for the high growth stock. Well, I think that's that's something we're going to be. Restaurant business is a high turnover industry and Presto Automation is leveraging the power of AI to create a versatile approach that eases the strain on employee rate and retention, assists the duties of workers, and improves the experience of customers. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. 
If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Krishna for coming on the show. Presto's automation is an incredible option for maintaining stability and providing quality service in the hospitality industry. The potential is huge, and Presto is positioned well for significant growth in the future. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only, and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.